Hi, this is Patty Lapone. This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Nia Vardalis. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. This is Beanie Feldstein. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. Hey, I heard you need an inspiration. He's Ilana and friends with some revelations. Little known back to the day, every little thing's gonna be a-okay. Hey everyone, new episodes of Little Known Facts drop every Monday and you can find them on your favorite podcast provider. Also, if you go to the website, littleknownfactspodcast.com, you'll find behind-the-scenes photos, videos, and interviews, and lots more on the gallery page. And if you are loving these intimate, candid conversations with all the artists who come on the show, please head over to the contributions page. I depend on these donations to continue to bring you these interviews every week. So if you love the show, please donate. Little known fact about my guest today, their combined resumes are longer than what it takes most people to do in a lifetime. Welcome Lucas Hedges and Ben Platt. A-okay. Everybody, I'm here today with Lucas Hedges and Ben Platt, two young actors who it's fair to say have both taken the acting world by storm. Lucas Hedges, at the age of 20, has already starred in over 14 movies, including his Oscar-nominated performance for Manchester by the Sea. He also appears in Moonrise Kingdom, Dan in Real Life, and Zero Theorem. He stars in Greta Gerwig's directorial debut, Lady Bird, and Martin McDonough's film, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. And he just <laughs> finished his New York City theater debut with a stunning performance as a tortured teen in the play Yen. At 23, Ben Platt is a household name because of his award-winning performance as Evan Hansen in the Broadway hit musical, Dear Evan Hansen. His film credits include Pitch Perfect and Pitch Perfect 2, Ricky and the Flash, Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk, and Drunk Parents. The Dear Evan Hansen soundtrack is one of the best-selling cast albums of all time, and it continues to sell in record numbers as do tickets to his show. These two guys are great friends, who I think are the next generation of superstars, and I get to speak to them today from my studio in Times Square, which is located in the greatest city in the world. So, welcome Ben and Lucas. Thank Thank you. The last thing I will say is there is someone else sitting in this room right now, and I can't reveal it, but when this podcast airs, I will be able to say out loud who this person is. So I'm really excited for fans to write in and try to guess who is sitting in this room, mm. but we're not The person that them. brought Lucas and I together in the yep. first place, mm-hmm. actually. That's a clue. That's a good clue. Okay. Good hint. So that was kind of my first question. How did you come to know each other? Well, Lucas was working on a film with one of my best friends. They were spending a lot of time together, and I was lucky enough to be introduced to him while they were working on said film, and just really thought the world of him immediately, and thought that he was really smart and kind and... Neurotic. Sure. Person. (laughs) Saw saw a lot of myself in him as well. I think we're very similar Mm -hmm. fellows, and... um, I had the privilege of finally seeing. Well, I saw. I've seen his film work, which is of course wonderful. Fantastic and then I, work. 
<laughs> Which is, of course, fantastic. Yeah, sorry. And then I got to... Excuse me, can you let me finish? And then I saw... Finally got to see his uh, stage work in Yen a couple weeks ago, which I didn't think I was going to get to see because of my show schedule. I thought you were going to say, which I didn't think I would like. Which I didn't No, I thought I was going to hate it. No, no, no. <laughs> I was dying to see it, but they didn't have any shows I could see. And then someone else besides Lucas revealed to me that there was a Monday night. So I got to go see a Monday night performance. And he really... Really blew great work. my mind, yeah. um, and I've been feeling very inspired ever since I saw that. Mm. You know, it's interesting because in both of those plays, how old is Evan Hansen meant to be? Seventeen. And how old was Hench? Sixteen. Sixteen. Oh, you're older. Ha. Ha. Well, I'm, also, I'm also actually older. Exactly. <laughs> so that's kind of cool that you both got to do these performances of these kind of traumatized to a certain mm. degree young characters at the ages you are now. Did those? Ages, 16 and 17, sure. feel really far away or really close still? Mm, wow. Luke, I'll throw that to Lucas. And just remember, there's still a mystery guest in this room. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's what's weird for me right now and what's new about m- one of the many new things about my life right now is that I've been the same height now for a long time. And it's the first time I've ever been the same height for a while. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> I've always been growing, and and for the past like four since I was a junior in high school, which is probably seventeen or sixteen, I looked like this, which I maybe isn't interesting at all, but 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 why I mention it is because how tall are you? I think I'm five ten and a half, five eleven. All right. Well, we're gonna, you know, I have a little I'm five, thing. Five ten and a half. So we really? can, we can, we, we can, can measure later. Do you know I okay. measure all my guests' height? It's like a cute little thing I do, and then when you come back, we'll see. We'll see if I grew. Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, I think the reason why I mentioned that is because I, I guess I, I guess I feel kind of like like I'm becoming an, an adult. And when I think back uh, on when I was sixteen and what was happening to me at that age in my life, it feels like a, a long time ago, and yet. I feel like, uh, oh, God. This This makes so much sense. Can I ask you something? Yes, please. When you became this height, Mm. which is 5'10 or 5'11, and again, we'll find out. out. Were you taller than most of the kids in your class? Like, did you get taller before Well, I was always the smallest kid in my class. Really? Always. At 5'10? Well, no, I mean, I wasn't 5'10. I haven't always been 5'10. But you were 5'10 when you were (laughs) the age of the character you just played in Yes, very true. But it was, I was always the smallest kid in my class until 10th grade, junior year of high school. And then you had like a big And then I had a big growth spurt, yeah. Um, Was that painful? Not, yes, I feel like that would really hurt, like when you think about having this huge... But I found it, I always found it to be so comforting because it was a sign that I was getting taller. Mm -hmm. So it was a good, it was a nice trade-off. Before I met Ben. I feel like you told me you'd been stalking him and then you have to pretend. Somewhat stalking. I walked into my living room at this, the summer before we met and, or at the beginning of the summer that we met. And my dad was talking to my friend from school about this kid who's the son of Mark Platt, uh, a man who my dad had uh, had a meeting with. And he, my dad told this beautiful story about how my dad knew Sam Cohn. Sam, Sam Cohn, right? Yep. Your, your dad's men- mentor. is a producer, right? All I know is that my dad sort of like learned under him. I forget what it, what it is that he does, but I know he was a mentor of my father. Um, I believe he was like Meryl Streep's agent yeah, at one point. Like, like he was that. a master Maybe agent and he was famous for eating paper. So you'd be sitting at wow. his desk and you would be like, he'd be like, hey, Meryl, here's your Mike Nichols just sent this contract over. And then literally by the end of the meeting, he would have eaten it. Oof. So they, they'd have to wow. print out another one. But back in that time, it wasn't easy to print out another one. <laughs> In triplicate. 
That's really true. That's why my dad eats paper. (laughs) Does Mark Platt eat paper? No, only balance bars, pizza, and wheat bagels with peanut butter. It's very healthy. (laughs) Well. Ish. (laughs) Anyways, continue. So your dad is talking about... He's telling the story about how my dad and Mark Platt were in a room together, and you can edit also around how this, clumsy I, I am to tell right you, now. This is live. Okay. <laughs> this is Facebook Live. Yeah. Oh, look at all the hearts coming up on our screen. Blink, blink. So Manchester had just come out at Sundance, and your play had our musical had been going for I think it was past its signature theater uh, second stage second yes, stage same thing. sorry run. And um, our parents started to have like a competition about whose kid was more impressive. At least that's what it was. It wasn't that, but it was sort of like, see, my dad started talking about me and then Mark started talking about you. And then my dad like kept talking about me. And <laughs> and um, and so I was actually feeling really competitive when I heard this story from my dad. This like is doing wonders for people not thinking that I'm privileged. Just wanted, wanted to, wanted oh, to say no. that. <laughs> that's another thing I think we sorry, can talk about. Sorry. Is, I don't want to derail. Keep going. Um, I was just really curious about about who you were because I had heard such amazing things, and I also was felt almost. Uh, an, I was initially competitive. I felt competitive just because it was that's how it was presented to me. I felt like it was me and my dad versus you and your dad, and like it was like who would come out on top. Uh, and then, of course, I saw Evan Hansen, and I was, or then I met you, and then I saw Evan Hansen, and I feel bested in the most amazing way. But don't you think it's kind of fascinating when you have a preconceived idea about someone or something and then the joy of finding out the humanity of that person? And I think what you're describing is that there is a lot of competition and we can find in all Mm. sorts of ways, ways to make ourselves feel bad, even Mm. in the most innocuous not meant to make you feel that way at mm. all. But it is like, oh, that's remarkable. His father is someone who's been in this business for a long time, and so is yours. And you're both around the same age, and you both are starting out, and you're both getting all this great stuff happening. Like, that is heady. Mm. And it would make sense that it would feel like, is this um, is this my competition, or is mm. this going to become family? And it feels like, from my time spent with you guys, that mm. it immediately became, yeah. how do we support each other? and go through this together, which is a little bit of what I wanted to talk to you about. And we have your dads outside, and they're yeah. in a minute. They're actually wrestling with each other. They, it, they're covered in Vaseline, and it's really weird, but that's that's what's happening, and we're going to let them do it. Um, yeah, it looks like the Coliseum out there. But there is something pretty heady about how quickly, if you look at your resumes, you both have a tremendous amount of work, but it often takes people a lot longer for fire to strike in the way, or lightning to strike, I would say, is the expression. For both of you to have been cast in these roles that are so perfect, like fit like a glove in these different ways, and they're both characters that are obviously so different from who you guys are Mm. in real life to a certain degree, it's kind of exciting. And so I guess I wanted to talk a little bit about what it is to find yourself at the center of something maybe more quickly than you expected to be Mm. at the center of something. Because the thing that impresses me so much about both of you is how devoted you are to craft Mm. and studying and taking it very seriously. You weren't YouTube stars who got snatched up to Mm. become, you know, were you? No, <laughs> no, but I do. You should. Have you seen my juggling video on YouTube? Um, no. It's, you should look it up. Juggle me crazy. I'm racking up views. I, I I mentioned it in my Jimmy Kimmel interview, and 
we've been well, we only have f- like four thousand views. I was expecting to get it much higher, but right. um, <laughs> it's really well edited. Yeah, it's really well edited. Anyways, do you juggle? I don't juggle. I'm sorry. You um, win because he doesn't juggle. Yes! yes. Oh my god! <laughs> and we're done. Um, well, go off of what you're. Yes, it's definitely very heady to 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 have these things happen so early. I think speaking personally. Uh, I've been working since I was like nine years old and I've been doing specifically musical theater since I was nine years old. And so um, there's a part of me that feels maybe a bit more prepared for it than I would have otherwise been at this age because I've been in the world for so long and sort of devoted my whole life to it. And I sort of have always kind of kept on this same path um, and and foresaw this all the way from the beginning or at least hoped for it. And so I think in the field of musical theater, for that to be what's sort of coming to fruition this early is a blessing because that's the thing I feel like I really have some sort of handle on and that I've kind of feel that uh, is part of my sort of bread and butter in my blood and sort of where I come from. And so in a way it's, it's, it feels a bit more handleable than what's for example, what Lucas is going through, because I feel like if, if I was in that position, I don't have anywhere near as deep an understanding of filmmaking as I do musical theater. And so I think that I would feel maybe um, a bit more precarious about it and sort of, constantly afraid that I was not understanding something I needed to understand, but because I sort of, I'm so deeply in love with musical theater, yeah. it, it, it kind of feels like, you know, as long as I'm continuing to work as hard as I am and, and staying devoted to sort of cr- making the show equally good every night, it, it feels very comfortable and very sort of mm-hmm. right in a way, because that's sort of where I've always hoped to be. But as far as the phenomenon of Dear Evan Hansen and, and being in the center of something like that at this age, that, there's nothing that can really prepare you for that. And, um, I'm really lucky to have a family that makes sure that I'm staying sort of planted on the ground right. uh, all the time because it's, you know, there are lots of people trying to sort of rip me up into the clouds, especially a lot of young people who are reacting and really strong and... And, and projecting and a lot onto you. Certainly, yes. And and making me sort of the symbol of, of a greater thing than just me who, like, is Ben Platt, who, like, goes home and, like, orders Seamless and watches, like... The Bachelor. Focus, the focus. Bachelor or the Great British Baking Show. Both equally fantastic entertainment Mm -hmm. and that's exactly what happens to evan hansen like it is exactly mirroring kind of your Mm -hmm. off stage and on stage that's kind of amazing totally i mean i think i'm a a little bit more ready for it than he is (laughs) (laughs) and mine is not not predicated on a lie thankfully but certainly as Mm -hmm. far as your perception getting away from who you really are is is a Mm -hmm. it's a scary thing and especially this young it's a scary thing but yeah and people expecting you to be the leader of some movement whether that's what you thought you were about to take on or not totally the best thing about the Evan Hansen experience has been the reactions that we're getting and that it's really affecting people's lives and sort of making them sort of changes the course of where people are when they come into the room which is like the best thing you could hope for as far as live theater but I think it's finding that line between being there for fans and being being sort of receptive and, and hearing the beautiful reactions that they have, but also not purporting to be some sort of expert about mental health or about self-harm or anything that pe- that, the, that the show brings up that people want to then open up about because they feel like right. we've had this very personal experience. And again, I'm 23 and I'm, you know, I, I have had a certain amount of experiences, but I, there's certainly nothing I can offer that's going to be sort of the end-all be-all when it comes to any of that. And so it's it's finding the line between making p- sure people don't feel rejected or feel like they've been deserted after having this experience, but also making clear that, like, this is a role I'm playing and I, you know, it's, that's something I understand and can own, but beyond that, I'm just a guy. Well, that's what's so kind of amazing about, to a certain degree, like, celebrity, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you suddenly have all of this power or people 
bestow upon you all this power and they believe you. They believe you know because you're doing this thing so effectively. And did you feel like when you were doing Yen, which was kind of dovetailing exactly with Manchester by the Seas opening and you like un- left to go to the Oscars for a night, didn't you? Yeah, like right which in the is middle. incredible. Right by in the, the way, we saw you on the Oscars. Oh, yeah. did you watch? Right, <laughs> I mean, that was amazing. We all saw you. On we the all Oscars. saw you. That was, was amazing. You look so handsome and Thank incredible. You. And I would imagine a lot of people came to see Yen, this play you were mm-hmm. in, because they knew you from that movie, yeah. and they were probably excited to get to meet you because <laughs> you're not outside the movie theater every time they go see Manchester <laughs> by the Sea in the same way. Was there a lot of crossover in that way? In terms of um, having fans an, from the yeah. movie coming to the play, and then suddenly lots, really lots. excited to meet you. Yeah, definitely. There were lots of recurring people who came like once a week, and I even had like some girls like give me their numbers. And but it's so interesting this this whole conversation about about fame and celebrity because um, I uh, even I went to go see Ben in his show last night, and it was the first time I've ever been. I think it was because I was in a theater filled with either movie lovers or theater lovers or just actor acting lovers, and I've never been noticed so much in my entire life than than when I was at your show, and it was like, it was crazy. It was like it, so many people were coming up to me and and looking at me and. Um, and weird because it was during the show, and you were yeah, like, "Hey, was, just <laughs> Ben's singing right now. Could you wait till intermission?" It, it felt <laughs> it felt so bizarre. Also, because I, I'm a good like good friends with Ben now, and to see to 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 watch my friend do what he did in that show, and I felt I felt like everything was so within reach in 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 my life, and that was the up that was the the upside of this coin of not not celebrity, but of being where I am or where we are right now. I do find this the the whole fame thing and and not that I'm famous but recognition to be incredibly nervous making and makes me really anxious because to put your faith in other people's belief in you is to also put your faith in my experience in those who don't believe in you and right. because the next thing that that's going to happen to me is I'm going to get a terrible review maybe right. not immediately but someday Probably down the line not, and I yeah. don't <laughs> want I don't want to believe that I don't want to believe that that's true because I don't think it's true I don't mm-hmm. think either are true so I'm trying I want to live in some middle ground I want to live in in my body f- first and foremost and and I think that the other threat of of all of this is that it threatens to take me out of my body and yeah. into my head and into other people's heads and and the coin of it's when I when hearing about your experience as Evan Hansen and your experience as Ben Platt it's almost like well those are the two ends of the same coin that that at least for 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 me I'll speak for myself in that that's my worst nightmare what happens to Evan Hansen that I am exposed as a fraud to the whole world mm-hmm. and everyone all that and then there's the dream, which is that I'm exposed as a, not exposed, but I am Tagged seen as, as, a, as a genius yeah. and the greatest thing that's ever happened to my generation. And I am not a human. I am so amazing. I'm a magical creature, whatever, all that. And I feel like at the root of both of those things is fear. And at the root of the being seen as the greatest thing is the fear of being seen as the worst thing. So so that's that's what I'm living with right now is that and I'm speaking for myself because th- there are so many people I know. I'm I am a very neurotic person, and I and I think part of the reason why I 
am uh, happy is because I can say that. And yeah. be, so I don't want that to be like this, this, this like scary thing. Right. <laughs> um, For sure. But uh, I'm trying to take things really slow right now. And I'm happy to be having a conversation like this. Just to comment on something that you were saying about this fear that I, I think is something that's at the root of pretty much everything. There's there's a lot of value to parts of it. There's none in, in, in terms of fear of perception or fear of what people will think about you. But as, as far as fear on the side of the coin that you were talking about of not being great or not being sort of the best or not being things like that. Mm-hmm. I think that what keeps the show for me interesting every night, I'm, I've been doing it for three years and I'm doing this run for four months. And <laughs> oh so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I've just done it a lot. And so <laughs> I, think, I think there's like a fire under my butt to maintain this level of, I don't know, proficiency of, of emotional intensity of consistency of, of, you know, there's, there's, there's a way I think, I mean, I'm not, I haven't really figured out how to use it all for good and not for bad, but I think there's part of this buzz expectation, what have you, that pe- when people are talking about, you know, ha- the moment that you're having or the role that you're playing or this film that you're doing and, and sort of hyping it up in a way, a lot of that is very scary and can sort of take you out of your body. But I think part of it can also be a motivator to be like a piece or a spark of what I've done has created this thing, this moment. Mm. And so why don't I continue to try to create sparks that are just as mm. inspirational and just as exciting and that are going to meet and exceed these expectations that are being set up for me. And I feel like the only positive way to use all of that hype and not let it sort of bog you down and, and make you lazy or make you afraid or make you sort of worried about not seeming like you are who you are is to use it to motivate you to do better work and to keep your work interesting and exciting and new. And mm. um, or at least that's what I'm trying to do just because otherwise I, I, yeah. like, I like you spend all my time in my head thinking like, Oh, well, you know, what about the Tonys? And what about these, you know, what should I do next? What would be like cooler than Evan Hansen to do next? Like Mm -hmm. what would be like something I could start? You know what I mean? Like the only way to get that out of my head and to use it to sort of drive it to something good is to be like, well, why don't I make tomorrow night's performance just as sparky and as exciting and as as good as the one that started this whole thing? Something I started doing uh, towards the end of the run of Yen was creating stories of people who were coming to see my show tonight. I would like imagine this character that was coming to see the show that needed to see it and like invent their life story. I did it like two or three times. And one of the times I did it, it lit me up in a way that I I had never been before. The way it was presented to me was a a good friend of mine is is a longtime stage actress. You can say it's me. Go ahead. (laughs) Don't be fine. Go on. Um, She was Lucy and he grew up in Charlie Brown. (laughs) And she was. Uh, Did you see Asha Lev? <laughs> she was in Asha Lev. Were you were you like from in that show? Were you like? Yes. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yes. Okay. I had my wig on. The whole thing. <laughs> okay, sorry. Continue. Um, it's. I think it's just fascinating the the line between what is true and what is what's fa- what's real and what isn't because I'm sure that there was something true in what I created in that character to, sure. and, and what was experienced by the audience like that that person I created existed in that audience and it existed in me, but it's just because at least I, I, I got to a place of complacency where the audience just became this sort of like amorphous, like blob of noise making noisemakers <laughs> who just weren't really real things and making it that personal. It changed everything. Just telling the story for that person, for that person, was was everything for me. I agree about how valuable that can be. I would I would say to bring Evan Hansen into the mix that that is one of the reasons I really think that social media is a beautiful and valuable mm-hmm. thing, can be if wow. it's used in the right way. 
like I'll have a, a Wednesday matinee where I wake up and I'm like, this is going to be a really difficult show. I'm very tired and I, you know, I don't have any friends that are here and I don't have anyone mm -hmm. that I was looking forward to coming. And I'll just go into social media and I'll see for this, for example, this past Wednesday matinee, this this beautiful gay couple from Utah that's mm. been literally saving money for months to come see the show. And they were tweeting and they were like, we're finally seeing the show. Like, we're here. We can't wait. Taking pictures of themselves in the front row, like ready to like have it change their lives. And I, and if I hadn't even peeked at that, I would never have had. And then I, immediately you're like, oh, well, this has to be, I have to give them an amazing, you know what I mean? It just gives a face wow. to that amorphous blob that you're talking yeah. about. It's obviously a dangerous thing because you don't want to ever sort of break the wall too much between like sort of fans and spectators and, and, and the work that you're doing. But yeah. it does give a face to the daily people that are coming, mm. when as far as theater, that are coming to sit down to watch the show. And it, and it, and it reminds me that like in their lives, this is the day they saw the show. Yeah. This is the day that, that hopefully they changed course. Wow. When for me, it's just show number two of week number 13. Mm. <laughs> When I saw Yen, I was absolutely blown away by your performance and terrified by how the journey that you and your co-star mm. had to go through in this play. It was brutal. And you put yourselves physically here, through here. so much. And to the point where at one point I was like, I feel like I'm watching a documentary. Like you threw mm -hmm. yourself into it so brilliantly. And it was brutal. Really brutal. Mm. I mean, for those who didn't get to see it, it was a play of these two kids. I mean, they were orphans with a, a mother who was alive who'd kind of pop in and out, mm. right? Like they're yeah. living in this really like down and out neighborhood in she's an London. She's yes. an alcoholic, yeah. maybe drug Def addict definitely. also. Um, <laughs> they're literally like these two young boys who have been taking care of each other. It felt like they were these savages trying to survive mm. at times. And, <laughs> and there were so many elements to it that were just really hard to watch because A, I adore you and mm. love you as a person. So just watching someone you care about from mm. your real life be wrecked <laughs> Throughout this journey, it's very violent and it's emotionally compelling and devastating. Mm. And the audience is very worried for both of you because what's going on is really unfair. The two young mm. people are expected to take care of themselves in this way. The emotional manipulation of the mother who'd pop in and out when it was good for mm. her. And then how much we rooted for you when it looked like love was coming yeah. into your life and, and how we all breathe this sigh of relief oh, when this beautiful mm. young angel. You it, just want them to end up together. Yeah, I'm sure they did. <laughs> and when he's teaching her how to play the video game from right? the corner of the room oh, so yeah. tenderly. Yeah, it was, was incredible. <laughs> and, just, and just like where pornography is in our, in our society right now and yeah. kind of all the visual images that you guys yeah. sort of in this weird prison that you'd set up for yourselves. Mm. But also figuring out like how far do these two actors need to go to feel like they're selling it properly mm. for the audience. Were you ever able to pace yourself or kind of modulate it in a way where you're like, guess what? Maybe if I don't literally smash the wall so that they have mm. to rebuild it every day versus like <laughs> make it seem like I'm hitting the wall really hard. Did you find any balance? It's interesting because I thought that I would leave the eight week run of the show being like, at, at least thinking that um, I would have some some answers, like I would know mo I would know more, like how and, to, about how to about balance doing yeah, a performance about, or like a, that. Yeah, and I'd have some, and I and I and I have much more confidence in myself after having done it. But um, I have I I have no idea how to answer. I don't I don't even I don't know how to answer that question because um, because the process of of what it means to be an actor and and to have a process is so infinitely complex and I feel like I I I have 
I have eight weeks doing an, a, a play that I care deeply about. And the, 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 the scale, or, or at least I, I don't even know how long the, the line stretches on, on to, but I have not even scratched the surface. Do you feel like you're young people in an adult world? Do you feel like it made you be an adult? Like, can you talk about that? Sure. Again, because I started so young, I sort of got used to being the young person among adults. Um, so at least as far as sort of carrying myself in a room or having discipline as far as doing a show uh, every night or sort of being prepared or things like that, that I feel like I had a sort of a, a an advanced class in um, getting prepared for this. But I didn't go to college. And so I went to high school at Harvard-Westlake, which I loved very much. And it was like a very sort of straightforward. I just was in high school. I never left to work or anything like that. Just sort of did high school and then immediately was working on Pitch Perfect the following fall and living alone in Louisiana and, you know, with all these adults and right. like sort of ha sort of skipped right to living as an adult. And so I had like a lot of anxiety during that time and during the few years after high school, just because I sort of felt I felt very prepared for the for the work part of things. I felt like I, you know, was ready to do these roles, what have you, especially the, the Book of Mormon, which came after that. But I, I I felt like maybe I hadn't figured out quite how to live as an adult yet because I had been so sort of take, well taken care of by my family in L.A. and sort of surrounded by family always. And so that part of it was tricky and, and a little bit scary. But I think, again, because it's musical theater that this is all happening in, that somehow feels like a family to me in a way, this this theater community. and yeah. Like there's such a warmth to it and such a sort of people holding each other up that it's that I don't know how, how I would really get on without. What frightens me a lot is moving forward from here over the last few months, the position that I'm in as far as professionally has just really changed. And a lot of people are sort of looking for my opinion and my sort of for looking for me to take charge in ways that I'm nervous about because I, you know, that whole like adulthood thing is really sort of kicking in as far as. <laughs> you know, what projects interest you and yeah. what do you think would be good for you and, you know, who should be representing you and who, you know, things that I, you know, took some part in, in, in growing up and to interest in and, and tried to be responsible about, but never um, sort of had to own completely are now being sort of really put on my plate. That's making me feel like pretty young. I think it was Danny Burstein who played Tevya in Fiddler on the Roof and has been the lead in many Broadway shows. He was he's talking the greatest. he's amazing and he he was talking about sort of kind of the equivalent of, you know, in film and television it's number 1 on the call sheet and mm. in theater it's above the title. Yeah. I guess it would be mm, sure. and sort of the responsibility of that. Like he learned on people like Bernadette Peters among others and he kind of saw how they took on the responsibility of like leading the troops. Sure. You are that right now at this young age do you feel a responsibility about that and I, your mood sort of permeates the the mood of the company very much so um very very much so we there's only eight of us and we are a really tight-knit family and eight most, is enough eight is enough and we've and one for each night of hanukkah and yeah. we've mostly <laughs> and most of us have been together for all three years of the development process wow. um only one has joined in the last year. So Ooh. we've all, um, Chrysalyn, who plays Alana, came on for our off-Broadway production. But even she has been in a whole production already with all of us. So we're sure. all very close. And I think because it's an emotionally really intense piece, I do feel a lot of responsibility to lead by example. In, in I mean, we have a, a bunch of 
really incredible veteran actors that are in this piece, Rachel Bay Jones and Michael Parker and Jennifer Laura Thompson, who don't need a leader per se. It's more about, you know, this opportunity has done really beautiful things for me and 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 it's an incredible moment in my life. And I and I because of that, I I I feel that I have to lead by example as far as how hard I'm working and how and so and how sort of how much in, investment I'm putting in the in, in the piece and how I'm not letting any of that outside noise sort of take away from that or make me want to take a, 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 a lean back or mm-hmm. miss any shows or anything like that. But I do feel a responsibility to just make sure that we are all on the same page and that we're all feeling taken care of. And I have this thing that I do every night that sort of started started at second stage where I'll. I have like a little boom speaker, like the UE boom, and mm-hmm. I take it up to the hallway where all the dressing rooms are, and we do just like a very n- silly, not at all serious dance party every single night before the show. Every night? Every single night before the show. You're kidding. Which I, people can participate in if they want. Not not everybody always does, but there's, a, there's some core members that always do. And it just is a moment to feel like we're a community and, and to feel like a little bit of levity because you know we're living You're in a really a deep pretty dark ride. place all the time and yeah. to focus on your question it, 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 the the leadership part of things in this particular piece really just feels to me like making sure that nobody's getting too bogged down by Are you the DJ? Experience. Yeah, oh yes. So Always. like you're totally whatever like well it, it varies sometimes it's more of a sing-along party than it is a dance party and is it like, show tunes or could it be like everything. Beyonce could there be was a Beyonce there's, there's a usually Beyonce day every couple weeks mm-hmm. I did a Jason Robert Brown day yesterday so that was more of a sing-along <laughs> I did like TV theme songs one day it's like That's a Raven and like the Friends theme song <laughs> she has a we, cookbook coming out Raven's Raven I'm just saying Oh my gosh! Heard it here first. She might even be the mystery guest in here right now. I'm not <laughs> saying she is, and I'm not saying she's not. Who, you, who's that DJ you love? DJ, is that crazy song you listen to that like? Oh, DJ Snake. DJ Snake. Yeah, yeah. There's <laughs> only one DJ song, DJ but I really Snake. like it. Uh, what it's is called the song? Propaganda. It's we should really play good. it. Is it explicit lyrics? No, it's just like a crazy like headbanger, like very sort of EDM kind of song. I play that sometimes. What about before Yen? Did you, you we guys did get this, crazy? We would do, no, we do this like thing. The first day, <laughs> punch the shit out the of first each day, or Justice would like run around and like make animal sounds. But the first day, he we was all amazing, gathered. By the way. Unbelievable! Like, shout out to unbelievable. him. Unbelievable. Um, uh, the first day, we we all gathered around each other and we started breathing. And then the next thing I know, we were, we were all going. Wow! And it was so amazing. It was like we were like, wow, "How do we even create those sounds?" And then we we're like, "We found so our Philip pre-show Glass. ritual." So we did that bef- for the first few weeks before every show, like a sound circle. Yeah, sort of like harmonizing through sound, cool. but like just like. And then we found that it was most of the times we just weren't listening to each other. We were all in our own heads, so it it ended up making at least me and a lot of the other people just really frustrated and sort of like angry with each other. That's so good. That's where the play be. Now go. Do you love when they do that? Now go. It was so, so we, we had to nix, we nixed it after a few weeks because we'd also just gather and we'd be like, <sighs> we'd like make meaningful eye contact with each other, but secretly deep down inside, I'm just like, I can't, I can't do this right now. And I'm so mad at everybody. Like, and I'm about, we're about to tell this story. I can't, I can't be chilling out right now. I, and then we all retreated into our own warm-ups, which were which was much more effective for me because I think I need uh, I I it takes me um 30 minutes to an hour to 2 hours to find the the stillness in my mind and in my body 
to tune out the noise of uh, other people's opinions, which which I um, can easily get sucked into. Did you use me? Like, is music a big part of your preparation for things? Does um, that help? Yeah. Um, DJ Snake. DJ Snake. <laughs> DJ Snake. What? It's interesting because at the beginning of the rehearsal process, I would listen to this song by Chance the Rapper like all the time called Summer Friends. And it was like it became the play's anthem for me. And so in like the last week of the show, I would just listen to that song over and over and over again because it was almost like listening to the song uh triggered something inside of me that was of the play and at the same time was uh helped me say goodbye to the play and and helped me mourn it while I was doing it like it was it was I was able to access more gratitude and more appreciation because I love this song so much and the song to me was I could just picture it everyone's face for and and, the, and 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 I pictured every moment leading up to it to us doing the show and and uh, and so m- music's also huge for me for emotional prep. For yeah. do you ever do you ever use music to get? I don't know how you do your. Sh- it doesn't make any sense to me how you stay emotionally connected for for that long. And uh, it doesn't. It's crazy because for me it's really hit and miss. Like I can have. I mean, I, it seems like consistency is something that you've gotten really good at. It's a number of. I mean, I don't. I can't really use other music. I I will say I have the luxury of, a having a really talented cast that sort of puts me in the same place every night and as long as I'm staying sort of downloaded with them it always is there. Mm. I also as far as music I don't use other music but I have beautiful music every night that I get to sing like the score mm. is just it just pulls at you in the right way like as a listener even I I mm. feel emotional about it so I feel like because all of my well not all of them but a, a lot of the big sort of emotional moments in the show come with this beautiful music it's a really helpful arrival point mm. and tool for as far as consistency because it's just you want to meet the music where it you know because it, it already gives you so much um of the it does a lot of the job because it's so beautiful and so rich and so you want to sort of meet that halfway it's not it feels a little less like you're sort of left out to to dry then the other thing to 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 sort of circle back to what I was saying about just sort of trying to use all of the other mm. outside voices and the buzz as a fuel it's I think part of what makes the experience so effective and what makes it stay with people is that all of us are really performing with a lot of abandon and that we're not Mm. keeping anything for ourselves. And while that's not necessarily the healthiest way to be all the time, it's Mm. I do feel a, a deep responsibility to always get to that same place because... I believe really. I have the, also have the luxury of, of believing really deeply in the piece and thinking that it's a really beautiful story that like really needs to be told, especially right now. And that I am have been sort of charged with the responsibility of administering this story, mm-hmm. and so I feel like it's then my responsibility to give it the same arc every night. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I would have anywhere near as an ability to recreate it nightly if I didn't a really like the piece that I was doing. B have this score behind me or see like have as much of the weight of the show on my character as there is has anything funny ever happened during the show yes not during moments like that thankfully yeah (laughs) well uh, my biggest issue that i'm still trying to get over is coughing i i i just hate when people cough oh not your coughing no 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 no. the audience the audience coughing 
which is such a spoiled, spoiled problem to have because we have beautiful packed houses and people who really want to be there. You know, there's those moments that you work so hard to have that that silence for. And then there are those people that just are gratuitously. I mean, it's one thing if you're like, I got a cough, you got a cough. But if there's people that are like, <clears throat> or just like, you know, like, just just like think, things, where, things where I think to myself, like, if you had not made that noise, would you be OK? I think you would. So it's, 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 On a scale of one to ten, how bad would you react to it? So I have I have an issue because I feel very exposed in in those moments in the show. I'm not I'm I'm not hiding anything and I'm, and I it's a very vulnerable place to be. And so I feel like all of my nerve endings are kind of exposed. So yeah. when those sounds happen, I sometimes either like throw a limb out or I like just like scream a little bit louder or just like my cast members can see me that you're a little bit taking mad. it in. Yeah. So yeah. I'm trying really hard to figure out how to stay that open and exposed and visceral, but also have enough present mind power to know that like that has nothing to do with you. They're coughing because they're mm. coughing. This is not about the moment. Like right. it's a hard thing because that's a very, that's a very meta sort of like I am Ben and everything is fine thought to have, but I don't want to be having those thoughts in moments where I'm trying to be completely sort of out of my, so I'm, I, that's the thing that I'm trying. It's not very funny, but that's that's the thing that I was trying to <laughs> funny figure. To, funny to me. I'm trying to right. think of like something like actually funny. Oh, one time. Well, uh, in our show, Mike Feist has to write Connor on my arm every night on my cast. I'm, I have a casted arm in the show, and he signs my cast in a giant Connor. And a lot of the plot then depends on it saying Connor. And we clearly didn't switch the sharpie out well enough. So when it gets like ground down a certain amount, we have to get a new sharpie, right. and we missed the boat and did not. And so he was trying to write it and just like it really didn't come out. So it looked like, you know, just like a sun and like a squiggle and then like an R. And so all of the reactions for like when I would like show my cast and there was supposed to be all these like gasps because it's like, oh, my gosh, it says Connor. Or right. like when the when when my mom is like, why does your arm say Connor? Things like that. The audience was just kind of like, why is there like a sun emoji? <laughs> why is it like happy face? <laughs> <were> Namaste. Like, <laughs> <laughs> there was like, it's there some code that we're supposed to understand. Like yeah. just a lot of murmuring. And yeah. Like, yeah, there is. You didn't get the Dear Evan Hansen code book. It's, it's about stepping into the sun. We can sell that. We have it. You can buy it. <laughs> well, now. Now we're doing Broadway Cares, and so if you come to the show in the next few months, you can win in one of the casts in the auction for really? Broadway Cares money. Oh, yeah. I would totally want to win that. Yeah. What do you do for fun? In my life? Yeah. Um, I mean, other than this, being here with I us. Have a, I have a garden in my room right now. Some are plants that I've planted. Um, I planted one at the beginning of the, the Greta Gerwig movie I did called Lady Bird, and then I have a few plants that I planted uh, at the beginning of Yen. Which, which I and then I have a, a lots of plants that I have purchased and and I I find that to be maybe that's maybe not fun I don't know if it's fun <laughs> planting I'm not like like but it's 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 very um calming and enjoyable. <laughs> will you send a picture? Yeah, so I, I can, I can do show that. people what you're talking I about. I will. I will. I bet it's beautiful. It's really beautiful. It looked so stunning when I left my house today too. Um, uh, what, I bet the ladies like that. Oh, I'm, I hope. Are so. Are you like hey? I'm like, hey, do you want to come see my room? That's uh, that's my garden. <laughs> um, yeah, we, let, we just, don't worry about it. <laughs> it's just my garden. It's just my garden. I just planted all that myself. So. <laughs> that's sage. Nothing. That's um, rosemary. Um, <laughs> uh, what do I do for fun? Um, it's a really. It's something I need to figure out right now. Like that, I don't have. I don't have as. I, I played we the were banjo about this last night a little. Yeah, bit. we were talking about this. I but my banjo's out of tune right now, and I don't know how to tune it. So I'm. 
So I'm not playing the <laughs> so banjo right now. So a, There's got to be an yeah, app for that. Uh, there probably is. Um, what do you do for fun? Um, I soul cycle. I really? really to, I really like to soul cycle. I do yoga. I swim. So there you go. Um, it's I, a competition, guys. Yeah. Who has more fun? Let's, let's go back and forth. And then yeah. who has more fun? You, Mark Platt or Peter <laughs> Hedges? Go. Definitely Peter Hedges. You think um, so? No, I don't know. No, I think they're pretty close. Um, I have lovely friends that I get to see and be with anytime. And just being with them in any capacity is really fun. Um, I feel that. I really love to see other theater and other Me too. films. That's like probably my favorite thing to do. Me too. Um, I love seeing movies. Me too. And theater. Me too. <laughs> and it seems like you love being in movies and theater. Yes, you know, I like. I'd say I do. I'd say I act for fun. Yeah, you know, certainly. You feel that? That's why it almost feels silly to be like, "What do you do? What for do fun? I do for fun?" Yeah, and like indulgent to be because it's like we're in this the tiny point zero 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 one percent that's fortunate enough to yeah. get to do something we actually enjoy to it's make a living. It's insane what we get with that. We get to do this certainly, it's insane. but it's only sustainable to do. To do this and to do it in an effective way or do it in a way that's meaningful, if, if you can also have fun in other ways that are unrelated and that are, yeah, that are satiating to you as a person. I, so it's to, yeah, you know, do that. Do you feel that when you're most emotionally tapped in or connected to what's going on with Evan, that sometimes those are the most fun shows? Yeah, I mean, yes, I. Uh, like when the breakdowns are like it, it, when it comes and when you're in the fear of it or or just telling that story so fully. Yes, it is. It's definitely definitely because it's a just it's a lot less sort of conscious effort. And yes. B, it's yeah. it's, you know, that's then it just feels so satisfying because you're in the sweet spot that you want to be in. And yeah. I also I think that there's some it, fun is maybe the wrong word, but it's, that's the most sort of satiating in the healthiest mm. way, because if it's not if there's a night where. I don't feel particularly sort of dropped in or if it's like a sort of a lazy rhythm or if I'm not finding that I'm there mm. in an easy as a sort of a way that I'd like to be, then I have to start to pull on into sort of personal stuff and start to make myself yeah. feel pain based on like my own life. So mm. like in order to get to the place yeah. where you're trying to get. So it's definitely a lot more enjoyable and to, to get to, do it purely from yeah, Evan and just from the story and from, nice. yeah, nice. which is I think the only sustainable way to really agreed. do it. So I'm trying to make that the more often choice, which is not always a choice. But can you see the audience? Yes, yes, I can see the did whole. You, did you see me last yeah. night? Oh yeah. Did you know where he I was had sitting? A feeling. No, I, well, there's like a little section of house seats, so right. I always know that it's somewhere there. Well, I spend a lot of time in the show watching the audience. Well, I, <laughs> you ever see people sleeping? Yes. Well, I that must be. I my characters. There's a lot of direct address right. and a lot but of. But I didn't know if the light it was hitting you in a way that you could or could not see. Them. I could see the first like 20 rows pretty well. Yeah. Which is why I always like to know when people are there, like friends. So you are or not shocked. Or no, because I'm gonna find them one way or another. So like it's really nice for me to know, and it's it's similar to the conversation we're having before. It really, it's humanizing to like to be like to see the faces of the people that this is the only time they're gonna experience the show, even though it's I'm doing it a million million times. It's it's nice to catch glimpses of like young people freaking out and like or like a hmm. mother in tears or like you know friends holding hands like it's just it's nice to catch little glimpses <laughs> of like the actual people that are like receiving all of this all the time wasn't there a girl who, when the first time i came who was like they were both like pointing at you or yes there was oh my gosh there was this that? girl yeah there was these girls in the front row who were just chatting 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 about me the whole beginning during of the, the show play. during the play 
for the whole beginning of the show and finally in moving through a window I have the opportunity to come downstage and I like do this cross where I can just like look at whoever I want so I use the whole verse essentially to just kind of stare at them and give them like evil eyes like please stop talking <laughs> and instead they were like oh my god he's looking at us look, look he's staring at us right now he's right there like just more talking and I was I, then I gave up did they keep talking oh yeah the whole time but you know what that's what you get with young people. We, you know, by the end of the show, they're all very wrapped and 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 reacting in the right they're ways. But all sobbing. I, but, they're all sobbing. But you know, the other side of the coin of having incredibly enthusiastic young audiences is that they want to talk and react, and and that's. I mean, I'd rather have them be overly engaged than asleep. Asleep. That's not the best feeling. No, it is not. And we, we had second stage. We had a lot of sleepers because it was a sub- Sub- subscription yeah. audience. And the show can pretty much, I think, reach anybody. But if you're above, if you're beyond, <laughs> if you're at an age where you just have absolutely no concept of social media or what that is doing to young people or how that's affecting anyone's life, then it's a little bit hard to get into. And so I, we would have a lot of expensive naps being taken like, <laughs> during. You guys. I love being in conversation with both of you and I love checking in. I just find it amazing. Like, I mean, eventually you're going to come in this room and it won't be Dear Evan Hansen. And I'm really excited to see what that's going to be. And you have just been on the most amazing ride with this movie, Manchester by the Sea. Mm -hmm. Also, just I know we talked earlier and, you know, part of your story as it were, is how much IMDb was kind of part of your youth. And to kind of know where you started and and the hobby aspect of it. And knowing, like all of us, you know, we grew up watching the Tonys, but even before that, the Oscars. Yeah, the Oscars was like the most exciting. It was the holy grail. It was Mount Olympus. It was like if you got nominated for an Oscar, you turned into a golden Yeah, like Moses statue. coming down with the tablets. Like, good work. Um, which has <laughs> been part of the, actually, like, I think the the greatest blessing about this this happening to me right now um aside from how surreal it is is that i get to experience um because i got to do it while i was working on yen i got to uh, experience i guess how um i don't feel immortal and i don't feel like invincible i don't feel like the greatest thing on the planet and uh, i think that's because um because i love doing this work so much and and uh and so to to have both of those things happen at the same time was really quite insane because um, I think some people like a lot of people don't have a religion in in our country, but the, the the most common religion is like the Church of the Oscars or the Church of whatever like the hierarchy we believe in socially. Um, and uh, and I don't I don't feel like. I think part of the reason why it was a great night for me is is because I don't belong to the Church of the Oscars, but I love the Oscars. If that if that makes so any really sense. So it was really cool to visit this culture that you've learned. Yeah, about and and, and, it can, and at, its, at its and... best, it's a it's a it's an opportunity for a continuation of the our practice of gratitude or of my practice of gratitude for what this movie has done for me and what Kenny and Casey have done for me, and um, which is. A miracle, which was a, is is genuinely a miracle, especially for a young act, a young boy who wants to be an actor. This is the greatest thing that could have ever happened to me because I'm might might actually be able to now. I mean, I feel bad saying and like it's I out will of the be, way. but I'm, like you don't have to worry about that. Now, like I it's already happened. True, yeah. Like you're nominated for a Tony, or you're nominated for an Oscar, or you win, or you don't. It's like that's kind of the thing that people work toward. 
for yeah. a long time. It's really true. So to get that out of the way so early <laughs> and like, all right, so now I'm going to like, I know what that is. And now I can do my work, whether that, yeah. you know, happens again or not is sort of irrelevant. I was watching Rupert Friend from Homeland on a talk show. He's never seen an episode of Homeland. He's been on it for six years now. He doesn't read reviews. And he has, wow. in fact, they showed a clip and he's like, oh, I haven't seen that. And Stephen Colbert was like, you haven't seen that? And he's like, no, 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 I really haven't seen that. Wow. And they ended up having this whole discussion. And he was like, so you've basically, I mean, obviously he has to do ADR, I imagine, on mm. projects like everybody else. But other than that, he doesn't watch himself and he doesn't read anything for many of the reasons that you described mm. earlier, Lucas, about giving weight to one opinion versus another. And then they all have to be true, mm. like the good one and the bad one. But also it just suddenly changes everything for him. And I think he has this very purist. Um, wow. and, and by the way, it doesn't mean if you do watch yourself that there's anything wrong with it, right? Mm. Like now it's like, oh, well, Rupert Friend doesn't watch it. <laughs> so anyone who does is clearly a hack. <laughs> like I think everyone has a different relationship to it. But I did think that was sort of extraordinary to be on a show for six years yeah. and have That's mostly crazy. not seen anything other than clips when you are forced to do the talk show circuit. So is there anything else that comes to mind that you guys want to share? As far as what you were just saying, I don't like to watch, like, obviously, Rupert. I hate watching Rupert. No, I, don't, <laughs> I can't watch myself in a, in a play that I'm doing, obviously, if there's ever like a recording of it, because that gets very much in my head or anything that I'm working on while I'm in working on it. Tense, yeah. I do like to watch a film that I've done after the fact, because then it's like, why did we, you know, create this thing together for five months if I'm not going to see what came of it. I right. feel like I that's great. And as far as like reviews and things like that, it's it's similar to me to when you know that people are in the audience. It's like I'd rather it causes me so much more anxiety to think that there's information that I don't have. So I'd rather just see everything, read everything, know who's there, know what other people know, and then be able to compartmentalize it and move forward. Because otherwise the possibilities of what could be being said or what people that could be there is going to be so much more consuming and probably worse than anything that I'm actually going to experience. So I personally, I just like to have all the info and then move and forward. Then move on. Well, let me ask you guys a question because I feel like this is very telling. You know how sometimes people call you by mistake, like their phone rings your number yes. and you know how like you can hear the rustling of like their phone in their bag or like their footsteps and it's obvious that oh, they like weren't meant Yeah, like it yes. was obvious they weren't meant to call you. Sure. You you realize pretty quickly, like, oh, this it's a butt dial. Yeah. I listen to the entire thing. When somebody does that, yeah, I'll listen to the entire thing for for no reason. Like it's literally like, like and a half minutes? maybe the rustle of them like going into the bodega and buying a thing, like and I hear like little bits and I feel like there's something about me that is interested in hearing something that I'm not meant to hear. Mm. Like like there's something very uh, compelling. Mm. Um, I obviously don't have enough going on because <laughs> I'm telling you, I do it a lot. Yeah. But I think there are people who wouldn't do that. I think there are people who would, it's like, this is not Raven Simone calling me on purpose. Are you someone who would listen to the whole thing or would you yeah. be like, okay, Alana's actually didn't I, mean to leave me a message. I had that thought today when I was coming here because there were this group of these Swedish girls on the train talking. And if they were Americans, I could I don't think I would have cared less about what they were saying. But the fact that it, what they were saying was in Swedish, it was like uh, they're probably 
I, I, I'm so interested in what they have to say. What are they saying to each other? But it was probably like, I think we're going to get we'll off on West 4th Street. And, and I was like, oh, my God. this is Maybe get a Cinnabon. What is yeah. this train? <laughs> and, then, and then at one point she went, um, she started singing this, this pop song. What, what's, what's like a name? What's the most recent Bruno Mars song? 24 karat magic. Uh, in the it was, she, 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 she sang. She was like, Uptown Funk, gonna give it to you. Oh, Uptown Funk. <laughs> but it was like in this subtle Swedish, and it was like, okay, you're you're exactly like everyone I know. It's like there's not there's nothing magical and fantastical about you. Um, or there probably is some. She's a magical person. I don't want to shoot like <laughs> cut her down. But the Swedish was the most exotic yeah. thing about her. So I would say yes, <laughs> but I think I would like. And here's another story. When I was uh, like. Five, I went on, me and my brother had, uh, we shared the same desktop, but I wasn't allowed to go on his iTunes because he had all the R rated <laughs> or like the explicit songs. And I went on to his iTunes one day and then I uh, heard him walking down the hall and I like scrambled to delete, to get rid of it. And, but he caught me. Um, so I, I, I suspect that I, I'm the same as you, but, but I, but I will feel very, Paranoid and 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 like but that's scared like the part of, like of it that you caught. maybe like. Yeah, it's like the maybe getting caught. Yeah. depends who's leaving the message. Would be my answer. Fair Ooh. enough. Fair like enough. when it's my pop, I always listen because it's like who knows who he's talking to. Yeah. Like, let me hear. Yeah. But if it's like my, you know, me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if no, because I mean, I catch Georgia singing. That's true. That's true. Well, you know, I don't think I could respect or adore two people more. Than I do it's Lucas mutual. Hedges and Ben Platt. I just, uh, I just feel like this is a really fun ride to be on, and I love to just check in with you guys and see what's happening. So, I love that you're friends and that you have each other, because not everyone can relate to what you're going through in, well, in all sorts of ways. I'm also trying to convince Lucas to do a play with me, so stay tuned. That is stay what tuned. I wanted to ask. I want you guys to sort of make that happen. I'm trying to. All right. Well, they're punching each other. (laughs) So we're going to go and I'm pinching myself because I can't believe I get to have these guys here Uh, again. Anyway, thank you, Lucas. Thank thank you you so much. Love you. Love you. All right. We're done. If you want more information about my guests, go to the website, littleknownfactspodcast.com. I also wanted to tell you that there is now a new addition to the website. It is a button that says contributions. This podcast is a true labor of love, and I really, really want to keep doing it for a long time. So if you like listening as much as I love to do it, please feel free to contribute. It would mean the world to me. Also, on Twitter, you can find me at Alana Levine. Instagram is Little Known Facts Podcast, and on Facebook, Little Known Facts Podcast. You can also feel free to rate and review the show on the iTunes show page. This podcast is recorded at Hangar Studios in New York City. This episode was brought to you by Pro Media. Located in Times Square, Pro Media offers both production and post production services out of its beautiful studios in the heart of New York City. Pro Media Sound Vision. Find out more at promedia.nyc.